We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Spurs Up Show, Best Game Cox podcast on the internet. Today is Thursday, April the 8th, 2021. Today's show, I break down this weekend series as Gamecocks baseball returns to SEC action, coming home to Founders Park to take on the Missouri Tigers. Friday at 7 o'clock, Saturday at 4, and Sunday at noon, guys. I'll break down the series in its entirety. First, we'll talk Missouri, their pitching, their hitting. Also, of course, South Carolina, the weekend rotation, what to watch for, key player for this weekend. Much, much more is going to Gamecocks return home for SEC play. Also, guys, we got your listener questions and a fantastic conversation as I actually join Blair Wheeler on the Blair Wheeler Project, a show all about golf. We talk Gamecocks, women's golf, men's golf, my time as a caddy, the Masters, of course, happy Masters week, Masters Thursday, the, the Masters beginning today. We talk about all that, much more, guys. We got a packed show here on a Thursday, and it's all brought to you by our friends over at Upstate Movers Group. Guys, Upstate Movers Group, superior moving service. They bring care and attention on the companies can't offer because they're just too busy maintaining trucks and profiting off of them instead of focusing on service. Guys, service is what separates Upstate Movers Group from the competition. They're not a trucking company. They're a moving services company, and they're also employee-owned co-op. Their movers are paid twice the industry average, and everyone on the crew is invested in your success. They have dedicated professional crew members, and they also offer black glove service. They offer end-to-end packing services, custom crating and packaging for special items, and cleaning services as well. They're founded by Greenville Natives and University of South Carolina alumni guys, so a Gamecock-owned small business. They also offer 20 years of project management moving experience, and they can offer logistics and solutions that traditional moving companies simply do not have the skills for. Guys, whether you're in the upstate or across the state of South Carolina, if you have any moving needs in 2021, be sure to check out our friends over at Upstate Movers Group. You can find them on social media at Upstate Movers Group. Of course, if you have any other questions, go to their website, upstatemoversgroup.com. That's upstatemoversgroup.com. Be sure to check them out and tell them Chris from the Spurs Up Show sent you. Let's get it.
saddle here on a Thursday. Folks, what's going on? I'm Chris Phillips, host the Spurs Up show. As always, appreciate you guys tuning in. And let me be the first to wish you a very happy opening round of the 2021 Masters. Yes, this might have turned to a golf podcast today. I don't know yet. No, I'm just kidding. We're going to stick to Gamecocks baseball, but uh, very excited for the Masters. Everybody that's tuned in that's a big golf fan. Uh, this is like our favorite week of the year, obviously. And starting today, of course, the Masters round one, opening things up today at Augusta National today in Augusta, Georgia. Very exciting. Of course, holds a special place in my heart. But again, we are focusing on the Gamecock today, but we do have a great conversation that I mentioned in the intro. My buddy Blair Wheeler, who does a really, really good job with the Blair Wheeler Project, which is a golf podcast. Again, focuses on golf. They have a ton of guests. We actually talked about it, guys. If you have not seen Gamecock's women's golf, is freaking killing it right now. They're ranked like number one in the country, and and uh, the men's golf team's doing really well. Of course, we taught the Masters. Well, I figured why not? You know, I'm switching it up a little bit. Normally, we have former Gamecocks on or whatever, but I jumped on his show about two days ago, and I was like, you know what, Blair? Why don't we put the audio from that on this podcast on my Thursday show? What better way than to, to bring in the first round of the Masters with that conversation? So, again, you guys will hear that later. But, again, let's stick with Gamecocks baseball because we've got a big weekend upcoming at Founders Park this weekend as South Carolina looks to bounce back from that tough midweek loss Tuesday night against UNC when they take on the Missouri Tigers and return to SEC play this weekend. Again, guys, Friday at 7 o'clock, Saturday at 4, Sunday at noon. You can watch those games. Friday and Saturday will be on the SEC Network Plus. And then Sunday, actually going to be on the big channel. If you can't make it, SEC Network, the big channel Sunday at noon, but Friday and Saturday, SEC Network Plus. So you have to stream those two. And again, 7, 4, and 12 are the first pitches. But again, of course, Missouri, the SEC East rival, their head coach, Steve Beezer. Been a rough year so far for the Tigers, guys. Just call it what it is. And again, this is a team that was not picked to do a lot in the preseason. You know, picked at the bottom of the SEC East, of course, down there with Kentucky. They're 10 and 17 overall right now, 3 and 6 in the SEC, but winners of their last two straight. They actually took the series last weekend from Texas A&M, which was very surprising to me. I think was very surprising to a lot of people. Um, when you look at their record thus far, we'll go back. They actually lost their last midweek game last week against Kansas. And guys, I was reading uh, up on this. Get this. They were up nine to two in the eighth inning and gave up eight runs, I think, in the top or bottom of the eighth. So really, really tough loss there. Of course, they got swept by Vanderbilt 10 to 2, 11 to 3, and 3 to 1, which I don't think any of us are surprised by that result. And they lost two of three in their first SEC series to the Kentucky Wildcats by scores of 10 to 2, 5 to 4, and then won that Sunday game 5 to 3. But again, it's been a struggle for Missouri, no questions. 10 and 17 overall, 3 and 6 in the SEC, a team not picked to do much this season. And the stats tell you why when it comes to this Missouri team. Let's dive in the statistics, guys, and we'll start on the bump. We'll start with the pitching. Yikes. Ouch. That's the best way to put it when it comes to Mizzou pitching. A 7.15 team ERA. Let me say that again. A 7.15 team ERA. And if you guys want to know what their ERA is in SEC play, it is a 6.58, so even a little bit worse in the non-conference. But a 7.15 team ERA, that'll do it to anybody. I mean, you take a look at the ERAs, they're all inflated. You're going to hear it with their starting rotation. Their starting rotation looks like this, by the way, 
Right-handed pitcher Spencer Miles, one and five with a 7.01 ERA. That's their Friday guy, folks. A 7.01 ERA. Their Saturday guy, Ryan pitcher Seth Halverson. I think I'm saying that right. Halverson, three and one with a 6.48 ERA. And their Sunday guy, Ryan pitcher Zach Heiss, 0 and three with a 5.62 ERA. So again, when you've got a starting rotation where you don't have a pitcher that has an ERA below 5.6, you are struggling. There is no other way to put it. And you look at some of these ERAs. <laughs> I mean, again, some of them are limited action, but still 99, 67.5, 30.86, 27.20.65. Then you start to get 11.77, 9.64, 8.22. It has been an absolute struggle for Missouri to this point. We're talking about a pitching staff and a 230 and a third innings pitch. They've walked 184 guys. They've given up 245 hits. Let's see, how many home runs have they given up? They've given up 23 long balls in 27 games. So not terrible. Batting average against, though, guys, 273. Opponents are hitting 273 against the Missouri pitching staff. Okay? I mean, that is that is getting tattooed and you even look at last week you know they won the series against texas a&m at texas a&m by the way which was really really shocking but they lost that thursday game guys because again they played thursday through saturday they lost the thursday game 16 to 2 so pitching has been a major major issue for this Missouri squad, when you look at South Carolina, the way they've swung in, of course, they're coming off that game against UNC where they didn't swing it all that well, only had three hits. Maybe this is going to be just what the doctor ordered for this Gamecocks lineup, especially at Founders Park. But, hey, don't leave the hitters out because the hitting hadn't been much better for Missouri. They're hitting 242 as a team right now, but that doesn't tell the whole story, guys. Because in SEC play, they're hitting 210. Yes, that's right. They're hitting 210 in SEC play. Six home runs, 30 RBI, 210. Not good. Not good at all. 20 home runs as a team, 350 on base percentage. This team, by the way, runs a lot. 29 for 38 in stolen bases. Haven't run quite as much in SEC play, but I'll tell you what, in the non-conference, they must have ran their tails off because 38 stolen base attempts, that's a ton. I mean, this is a team that's going to, when they get guys on base, is going to put guys in motion. Let's talk about players to watch for, for this Missouri group. You got to start with infielder Andrew Kiefer, hitting 318, leading the Tiger squad, one home run, 11 RBI. Then you move into infielder Torin Montgomery, hitting 250, four home runs and 18 RBI. And then infielder Mark Verling, hitting 276 with two home runs, and 13 RBI. But overall, it's been a mixed bag. You know, Missouri's dealt with injuries. They've dealt with a lot of inconsistencies. Did not have a midweek game this week, by the way. So they'll come into this series fresh, of course. But certainly a team you talk about. And again, this is stating the obvious. But, you know, not up there with the upper echelons of the Floridas, the Vandys, the Arkansas, the Mississippi States, the Ole Misses. Certainly not in that category. I don't even think they're in a category with the Georges, to be honest with you. Because I think in the preseason, people looked at the SEC East like this. Florida and Vandy in a league of their own. And again, that was the preseason, whatever. You know, South kind of swept Florida. But this is how people looked at it. Florida and Vandy are in Tier 1. Then you had South kind of Georgia, Tennessee in Tier 2. And then in Tier 3, you had Missouri and Kentucky. 
And I think that's really where Missouri falls and is going to fall once the dust settles this season. But again, let's move to the South Carolina side of things. Mark Kingston really surprised me on Wednesday afternoon when he announced his starting rotation. Ryan and pitcher Thomas Farr on Friday, of course. Ryan and pitcher Brandon Jordan on Saturday. TBA for Sunday. My question was this. Has Will Sanders changed his name to TBA? I understand, you know, they want to leave the door open for just in case you need Will Sanders on Friday or Saturday. But it's a little surprising to me. Because I think if everything goes to plan and you get a solid six or seven out of far, a solid six or seven out of Brandon Jordan, I mean, Will Sanders is going to get the ball on Sunday. There's just no question. But I guess I think it's a little bit of gamesmanship. I think it's a little bit of they want to leave the door open just in case, you know, God forbid this happens. But if one of your guys on Friday and Saturday maybe doesn't pitch well or they get knocked out early or, or whatever it may be, they want to have the option to say, okay, we can throw Will Sanders out there. We're not, we're not pegging him in that Sunday role and, uh, you know, having to make that adjustment on the fly, if you will. So, Far Jordan and TBA, the rotation, which was the same exact rotation going into Athens last weekend. Let's move into what to watch for, guys. And the first thing I'm looking for is this, just overall the bounce back from that tough midweek loss in Charlotte. And again, I know a lot of fans are going to want to see a big-time bounce back. You know, you got at minimum win two or three. You got at minimum sweep. I'll say this. I know this team's going to bounce back the right way. We've seen it all year from the adversity and overcoming struggle and overcoming um, just, you know, whatever this team has run into. They've shown the resiliency. They've shown the toughness. They've shown the mental fortitude. And I expect them to do that yet again this weekend. I, I I have absolutely no concerns. But it's like I told you guys, after that loss, hey, it's just a midweek loss. No big deal. But the big thing is you cannot carry that over into the weekend. You need to see this team, especially at the plate. That's the big thing. The pitching is going to show up. I think we all feel good about that. At the plate, though, returning home to Founders Park, you got to get the bats going yet again. And this is a Missouri, Missouri pitching staff that you should take advantage of. No question. No questions asked. So just seeing a ball club approach this weekend the right way. And again, I don't think it's – I don't think – I think it's a non-issue. They will. They will. I have no concerns about that. They will. I think we're going to see this team bounce back the right way. They'll be excited. They'll be fired up. They'll be glad to be back at home. And uh, I think they'll attack this series the right way, no questions asked. If you can't get fired up for an SEC series at home, like I said before, you just simply don't have a pulse. Something else I'll be watching for, guys, and like I said, the hitting's the question mark, right? How will the hitters adjust their approach against a struggling Missouri staff? Like I said, guys, 7.15 team ERA. I know – Against AM the rest of the way last weekend, they held the Aggies to two runs and three runs on Friday and Saturday, respectively, after giving up 16 on Thursday in that game one of that series. But the numbers are the numbers. A 7.15 team ERA. This is by far the worst pitching staff you face this season. I mean, it falls in the same category, I would say, with the with the God, I'm forgetting the Dayton's of the world. I think it's probably on that level. And I, maybe that's a stretch. Maybe, maybe that's a little bit too much. But you guys understand what I'm saying. I mean, by far, this is going to be the worst pitching staff you've seen to this point in SEC play, right? And these guys are still SEC arms. Give them credit, you know, and you can get beat any weekend of the SEC. So I think for our hitters to think they could just roll their helmets out there and, you know, we're going to score 10 runs. Obviously, I don't think that's the right mindset and approach. But how does the approach change? Because Mark Kingston said it after the game Tuesday. I thought he hit the nail on the head when he just said, and I saw the same thing. You know, you only struck out eight times in that game. 
right? He only struck out eight times. But the problem was with the approach, being so jumpy, being so anxious. You know, the perfect example of it was the ninth inning. David Mendham hits a double. You've got a guy on second, one out. you got a chance to win the ball game. You've got Brennan Malone and Jeff Heinrich coming up. And they both swing at the first pitch and make weak contact. For whatever reason, I don't know if it was playing in the big, shiny ballpark. I don't know if it was playing against North Carolina. I don't know if it was a mixture of the of the two. I don't know if it was maybe our guys coming off of a big weekend at Georgia where you hit a ton of home runs. Everybody was trying to be the hero, maybe. I don't know. But I want to see the approach get back to what we saw in Athens and really what we've seen to this point this season with a group that, yes, they can drive the baseball. Yes, they can hit home runs. But a group that's selective, too. That's what's made this lineup really hard to pitch to is I think this team's gotten a lot better and cut down on the strikeout number. I really do, because strikeouts are going to happen, guys. In this day and age of baseball, college baseball, pro baseball, it's all about hitting the long ball. It's all about hitting the home run. Guys are going to strike out. Bottom line, they're going to strike out. Strikeouts are up all across baseball. It's just going to happen. But I think our guys have done a much better job of being selective and hitting their pitch. You know, not necessarily saying, okay, I've got one pitch and I can't make an adjustment. Like, if I love the, 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 the fastball away, if he's peppering me in, oh, well, tip my cat. No, no, you got to make an adjustment there. You got to make an adjustment. I think our guys have done, done a good job doing that. But I want to see do the approaches change at all, especially, you know, again, we love to hit at Founders Park. We love hitting in Columbia. I don't think it's any secret that this team's offensive approach is built for Founders Park, and parks like it. So, again, it's no secret. This Missouri pitching staff has struggled. 7.15 team ERA, and I think, like I said earlier, this could be just what the doctor ordered for a Gamecocks lineup that didn't swing it to its capabilities on Tuesday and will be looking back to build momentum offensively and get things rolling in the batter's box. Uh, another intriguing storyline, guys, for the Friday game specifically, the game tomorrow night at 7 o'clock, and what I'm watching for, does Thomas Farr get the first SEC win of his career? Because like I told you guys after the Georgia series, you know, Thomas Farr ran in some bad luck because he's pitched well enough to win. I would say basically every single SEC start. You know, the Florida game was debatable, but he's given you a chance to win. Basically, I'd say every time he's pitched. And he's just had some really, really bad luck. For whatever reason, hasn't gotten the run support. The games have been really tight down the stretch. And he hasn't been able to get an SEC win. Doesn't have any in his career. Is this, is tomorrow night the night where he gets that first SEC win? Again, I, I expect Thomas Farr to pitch brilliantly tomorrow. We're talking about a Missouri lineup. Some solid players, for sure. And if they get on base, they can cause havoc. Again, 29 for 38 stolen bases. But... Hitting 242 as a team. I don't think anything, you know, this isn't going to be a lineup. He's nothing that Thomas Farr certainly hadn't seen or the Gamecocks pitching staff hadn't seen. I, mean, I don't think it's a better lineup than, than, uh, than obviously Florida, than Vanderbilt, than any lineup you've seen in the SEC. Heck, I don't think this lineup's better than North Carolina's. So I'd expect Thomas Farr to have another fantastic night, to have a lot of success. I'm hoping to see Skyler Meade let him go in the game. You know, let him go beyond 78 pitches. Why not? And you'd also hope, too, like I said, his offense is finally going to give him some run support, some real run support. Gamecocks haven't scored a lot of runs on a Friday night. And I understand it's Fridays. It's going to be a tight, you know, low, low scoring ball game, whatever. But Texas A&M put up a 16 spot 
on Mizzou in game one. So I, I, I'll be very intrigued to see, you know, and, and I know this team's probably motivated in that way too. I think this team's probably like, hey, man, we got to get our guys first SEC win. This is ridiculous. We got to get our, our guys SEC win. We got to take care of business for him. And like I said, I think they'll do that. So Thomas Farr is tomorrow night, the night against the Missouri Tigers. We see him notch his first SEC win of his career. Something else to watch for. Moving back to the Gamecocks lineup. And we heard the news Tuesday, basically at first pitch of the North Carolina game, that Braylon Wimmer was out due to a death in the family, which first things first, prayers up to the Wimmer family, to Braylon himself. Um, you hope everything's okay and that they're able to get through that as a family. Mark Kingston updated his status on Wednesday afternoon saying that they were hopeful that Braylon Wimmer would be back and back in the lineup on Friday, tomorrow night. And I think that's just what to watch for. His status overall is Braylon Wimmer back in the lineup. Again, you know, we don't know a lot about the situation. We all only, all, all we know is that there's a death in the family. So you, you just pray for Braylon Wimmer. You pray for his family. You pray that the family comes through on the other side of it and they can, they can cope with things. And again, it's, 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 you know, it's a situation where as fans, we can sit here and say, oh, you know, selfishly, you know, oh, come back, come play, whatever. But, uh, you know, you just pray everything's okay on his end. So Braylon Wimmer's status, obviously something to keep an eye on. And just the main thing, the number one thing is that you pray he comes back and, and is able to maybe, you know, maybe use the game of baseball to get away from everything, to kind of shut off the outside world and, and, uh, and you know, and to, to, you know, remove his mind from that stuff. You know, it's, it's, you know, people use different things. They use different outlets. I know when I was a ball player, getting to the field and shutting off everything and shutting off the outside world, it was like therapy for you. It really was. It was like therapy. So, um, interesting to see what will happen with Braylon Wimmer and he'll, if he'll be available for Gamecocks baseball this weekend. Because, of course, that's a big piece in this South Carolina lineup. Back to the mound, something I'll be watching for. And, again, it's just fun to watch this Gamecocks pitching staff work. The pitching looking to continue to dominate. You'll have another opportunity this weekend. Like I told you guys, and I don't think this weekend's going to be the weekend, but I think there is going to come a weekend where your hitting is going to have to pick up your pitching in some way. And again, I don't think it's going to be this weekend, but it's crazy, guys. Just a little side note. I was looking back at the last time South Carolina played UNC. When we were talking a midweek game. And I was looking back at that 2019 season because that's the last time they played each other. And I was looking at some of the scores. Guys, you guys probably forgot, like, how bad our pitching was at that point. I mean, we were giving up 20 runs. We gave up 22 runs to Vandy in a game. We gave up 24 runs to Mississippi State in a game. Like, I couldn't even fathom that happening right now. So, do not take it for granted what this pitching staff is doing and continues to do. You know, from your starters to guys like Andy Peters and Julian Bosnick and Brett Carey and and – and, uh, and Jack Mahoney and Wesley Sweat and Danny Lloyd. And what this staff is doing, continuing to build confidence, continuing to give you chances to win ball games. I'm excited to watch this pitching staff work this week. And again, I, I think it's a Mizzou lineup. There are some decent pieces, don't get me wrong, but you should be able to have success. As long as you continue to fill up the strike zone, as long as you throw strikes, that's the biggest thing for any pitching staff. But as long as you throw strikes, I think this staff is going to continue to dominate. I think this staff is going to continue to give you more than ample opportunities to win baseball games. No question. So looking for this pitching staff to continue to build confidence, build momentum, and dominate, that's something I'm watching for. And the last thing, guys, I think the last big storyline um, and thing I'm looking for, and this might be more on the fan side of things, 
Because, you know, in that locker room from Mark Kingston all the way down through the team, you know, the expectation each and every single weekend, you know, their expectations go 1-0 and every day. And that sounds like coach speak, whatever, but it really is. Go 1-0 and today. Go 1-0 and today. If you keep doing that, you keep doing that, you keep winning ball games, good things will happen for you. So their expectation every weekend is to win every game they play, right? But from the fan side of things, we can break this down, critique it, whatever, look at different scenarios. And the thing I'm most, or, you know, one of the things I'm most looking forward to, and, and again, I think this is more of a fan-centered question, is it sweep or bust this weekend? Is it sweep or bust? And I'll tell you guys up front right now, I will never complain winning an SEC series two out of three. I never will. If you keep winning series, hey, if you win the series, you did your job. Bottom line, if you win the series, you did your job. And there's only been one SEC team that swept, that has swept Missouri, and that's Vanderbilt, who we know is pretty damn good. But with that being said, this does feel like one of those weekends, you know, at home, you're coming off that tough Tuesday loss, and you look at the schedule. You know, you got to go to LSU. You start that gauntlet next weekend. And I know LSU's 1-8 in SEC play, which is absolutely absurd, by the way. But you got to go to Baton Rouge and face LSU next weekend. Then you come home, you faced Arkansas. Then you got to go, I believe, the next one's at Ole Miss. Then you come home and face Mississippi State. Okay? So, outside of Kentucky, who you've got later in the year, this this might be the, I hate to say easiest, because there are no easy weekends in the SEC. But let's just call it what it is. This is probably the easiest weekend you have left, this one or Kentucky. And I think Kentucky's, Kentucky's actually playing good baseball right now. So I probably, I'd probably say this weekend is the most sweepable weekend. I'll put it that way. Most sweepable weekend you have the rest of the way out. So while I'll say, you know, if South Carolina goes out and wins two out of three, I will not be disappointed. But it's a weekend like this you do want to take advantage of. Again, being at home. You know, this is a big opportunity to build momentum. All these SEC wins, they're so valuable. They all count, right? They all count. They're all extremely valuable. Is it sweep or bust? That might be a little bit harsh. But certainly it's a series that we looked at in the preseason and said, okay, you got to at minimum take two or three. You'd love to sweep at home. Take advantage at home. And again, all due respect to Missouri because they went on the road and took two or three from Texas A&M. But I think all fans look at this weekend and say, you got to at minimum win this series. At minimum. And a sweep is very doable. And I do feel that way. I think a sweep is very doable for South Carolina. But again, should be fun to watch. Should be interesting to see. Um, sweep or bust? I don't know. What do you guys think? We'd love to hear. All right, let's move to key player this weekend. Key player of the weekend, and, you know, different guys start seasons different ways and, and use weekends or games to kind of jumpstart their year and get going, if you will, right? And so the guy I'm about to mention you know, we've seen, we've seen slow starters come through Columbia, right? Like Carlos Cortez was a guy. He always started the year off slow for whatever reason. And, I mean, heck, I'm talking about the year. I mean, heck, we're, we're what, 27 games through? 
through a 56-game schedule. So, I mean, we're over a third of the way, believe it or not, which is, like, almost sad to think about. We're, dude, we're, all, we're, basically, we're the halfway point, which is very sad to think about. God, I'm going to cry now. But so we're farther along than starting off the season slow. But a guy that I think has been swinging it better of late – who I'd like to see come into his own. And again, some guys use weekends like this. You know, you get hot in a weekend, and all of a sudden you get the confidence, and boom, your season's off and running. And I think this weekend, again, like I said, a, a pitching staff that is not very good. Let's call it for what it is. The stats reflect that. I think this is the perfect weekend for this guy to break out and to become a big-time threat in this lineup for the Gamecocks. And that key player, that guy I'm speaking of, is third baseman Brennan Malone. I will say this. The thing about Brennan Malone, because he was in the lineup at third base against North Carolina. And I think what you're seeing from Mark Kingston, because the third base position has been one where they've gone back and forth, of course, on you know Malone, Heinrich, even Satterfield's got in there every now and then. But mainly Malone and Heinrich have gone back and forth. This is my feeling on that position. The thing I like about Jeff Heinrich is you know what you're going to get out of Jeff Heinrich each and every single time he takes the field. I think Jeff Heinrich just kind of is who he is. You know, I know what to expect when I, when, I, when I put Jeff Heinrich in the lineup. The intriguing thing about Brendan Malone is I don't know what to expect. That is good and bad. Because, listen, I've seen this kid swing it, man. This kid has power. All the potential is there. And potential is a scary word, right? Potential is a very scary word. But all of it's there. And I think if you're Mark Kingston, your best move right now is to keep Brennan Malone in the lineup and trust that eventually a good hitter is going to hit. Now, listen, if he goes the next two weeks without a hit, I get it, man. You can't just leave him in there. I, I totally understand. At some point, you got to put the best nine out there that you feel give you the best chance to win. But the thing I do like about Brennan Malone is that even during this stretch where, you know, he has not swung it as well as, as he'd like to. We'll put it that way. I mean, that's a given. He has continued, in my opinion, to be very patient and take good at bats. If you guys look, he's getting on base a fair amount. Getting on base a pretty fair amount. And, and, and he's swinging the bat, I think, not terrible. I mean, he had a, had a liner Tuesday night that just an atom ball right at a guy. What are you going to do? But this weekend is important, not just for when, getting three wins against Mizzou, but it's important for Brendan Malone for the rest of this season. Because if you can get him hot, if you can get him fired up and – have him in your lineup. I mean, that just adds another weapon to this, this lineup that I, I'd say we already feel good about. And I'll make that bold prediction right now, by the way. I think Brennan Malone goes yard this weekend. I think he hits his first home run of the season. I think he does. I think Brennan's going to have a good weekend. I think he'll be in the lineup all three games. And, uh, I, you know, I'm really – I think the opportunity is there, and I'm really hoping this is the weekend we see it. We see the light bulb click. Because that's what we're all waiting on, the light bulb to click for this guy. It's there. There's no question it's there. We just got to see that light bulb moment. I think you have the opportunity this weekend against, like I said, a, a Missouri pitching staff that's gotten flat out beaten up on this season.
No question. So, key player of this weekend, third base in Brennan Malone. And, guys, that's going to wrap up my series preview for this weekend against the Missouri Tigers. Tune in tomorrow to hear my official prediction as the Gamecocks look to improve on their 6-3 and three SEC record. All right, no news and notes today. Nothing crazy happening, thank God, as of right now. But uh, we'll move to the listener questions real quick. We have just one question. Sorry, guys. I was late to get the question box out. I apologize. Just one question. So, Brennan underscore Smith 47. You get the spotlight today. He says, what do you think the weekend rotation and outfield will look like next year? And that's a great question, by the way. The weekend rotation and outfield for next season. Now, I'll say this first, the disclaimer about the season next year. You're going to add a ton of freshmen. So, that's obviously going to impact what both of those look like, right? If I would have projected this year's starting rotation at this point last year, let's say the season was normal, whatever, I would have had no clue. We didn't know who Will Sanders was. I didn't know Jack Mahoney was. I didn't know who, you know, all these freshman pitchers were. I hardly even knew who Julian Bosnick was. So take it for what it's worth. But right now, if I had to predict, weekend rotation, because you will lose Thomas Farr and Brandon Jordan. I think right now, I would say Will Sanders will be your Friday guy. I think Jack Mahoney will be your Saturday guy. And either, you know, I wonder if they'd slide Julian Bosnick back into the starting role, or does a guy like Mag Cotto get a shot? I don't know why he hasn't pitched of late, by the way, guys. I don't know if he's got, like, a strain or, like, they just haven't used him or what's going on. But I think that's a guy who has a ton of, a ton of upside at South Carolina. I think that's a guy that's going to pitch a lot of meaningful innings. As far as the outfield, Braylon Wimmer's your center fielder, no question. Um, what year is Josiah? What year is Josiah? Let's see. Josiah Seitler is a junior. So I'd imagine Josiah Seitler's back for his senior year. I'd have to think. So it'd probably be Seitler and left. Wimmer in center, does a guy like Brandon Fields develop and take the right field or even left field spot? I don't know. I hope so. I, the kid's got all the talent in the world. He's got plenty of upside. He's got tools on tools, man. There's a reason he was a highly regarded prospect. It wasn't by accident. Kid's got tools. So I hope he comes into his own. But again, I would also say this too because I was talking to my buddy about this like a couple of days ago, when you look at this team next year, though, and you think about all the guys you lose and stuff like that, you know, this will be a team that I think, you know, how you're seeing this year is very freshman heavy on the pitcher side. I think next year you're going to see it be very freshman heavy on the hitter side, which is exciting and also very scary <laughs> because, when you're relying on a bunch of true freshmen or even JUCOs in the SEC, you know, that can make you a little bit nervous. But overall, that's my best guess for your starting rotation and your outfield for 2022. So, again, that's definitely subject to change. I, I, I think we should look back on this in a year and just see how close I was because I bet it'll be completely wrong. But who knows? We'll see. But, again, guys, thank you so much for tuning in. Do not go anywhere, though. Like I said, Happy first round of the 2021 Masters. The Masters is officially back, getting going today. And what better way to celebrate that than talking a little golf? My buddy Blair Wheeler invited me on his podcast, The Blair Wheeler Project. 
a couple of days ago, and I was sitting there thinking I had my guest, who was originally Taylor Stallworth, Taylor Stallworth, excuse me, former Gamecocks defensive lineman. He canceled on me, which is okay. He had to go to the facility, whatever it is, what it is. We'll get him back on. But did this conversation with Blair a couple of days ago, and I was like, you know what? It makes sense. We got a lot of golf people, a lot of golf fans that tune in the Spurs Up show. Why not? We talked Gamecocks women's golf, men's golf, my career in golf in regards to working in golf, stuff like that. Of course, we talked about the Masters, talked about gambling, all that good stuff. A really fun conversation. I appreciate my buddy Blair Wheeler for having me on his podcast, The Blair Wheeler Project. So again, guys, that's going to do it all for me for the Missouri Series preview and everything else, guys. Thank you again so much for the love support. Seriously, I truly appreciate you guys showing love to the content, sharing the content, uh, and always rocking with us and what we do. So, guys, thank you so much. Now, enjoy this conversation with Blair Wheeler of the Blair Wheeler Project. All right, folks, welcome back. Happy Masters Week. Today's guest, Chris Philly on Instagram. Chris Phillips runs the Spurs Up show. If you're not a Gamecock fan, you're missing out. One of the best Gamecock podcasts out there. So, Chris, thanks for hopping on the show, man. I appreciate it, man. I'm not only just a Gamecock fan. I'm also, though, I'm glad to come on your show because I'm a big golf guy. Um, yeah. my, my dad played college golf. I played competitive golf. I was 15. I'm from, like, the golf mecca, basically, North Augusta, South Carolina, right hey, by Augusta, Georgia. So, you're I'm excited to us. come on. Yeah, right. I'm from Myrtle Beach, and you can say you're the golf mecca all you want, but hey, Myrtle Beach is. I mean, when you, when you got when you got the National and Sage and Augusta Country Club, and <laughs> I don't know, I, it, it feels like the golf mecca. For that, I, it feels I like. hear you. I hear you. <laughs> um, but I wanted to have you on the show because, like you said, you're from North Augusta. You have a lot of experience in the golf world, but to start it off, you caddied at Sage Valley, right? Yeah. Yep. So yeah, I did. Well, yes. we were just talking about it off air, and this is the one of the first times non-Masters weeks you're not caddying. Yeah. So what, what, what was that experience like? Yeah, so it's interesting how it came about, man. So like I said, I played competitive golf till I was 15. So like I, I played on the varsity team my freshman year. I wasn't a bad little player. Played played on the, the varsity team my freshman year and uh, at North Augusta High School. One of the things we got to do, you know, the golf coach had the hookups, whatever, and, and Sage Valley is like probably – I mean, 15 minutes from where I grew up. I mean, so I, I live off of exit one. That's how you get North Augusta. Yeah. Sage Valley's exit 11. So, I mean, it's literally just 10 miles down the road. And so we got the opportunity to caddy there. I did it once, whatever. I was a freshman in high school, didn't really think much of it. And then as my baseball career, you know, I chose baseball over golf because it was one of those things where I loved golf, but I had a passion for baseball. And also, you know, man, golf is just so freaking hard. And yeah. I was a hothead when I was younger and so that's not a good mix, you know what I mean, when you're trying to play golf and you let your emotions get to you. And it's one of those things where baseball, it's a lot easier to see progress than in mm -hmm. golf. Where, like, you might get better, but your scores aren't really getting that much better. And it just gets really frustrating. Either way, whatever. Chose baseball, and I ended up playing with this kid that uh, his dad was the caddy master at Sage Valley. Yeah. And so he, he had known that I'd played golf before, and, and it was something where I was when I was in college and I actually transferred from Newberry and transferred back home to Augusta State University because I played college baseball at Newberry. And hey, once I got, yo, uh, you and um, Patrick Reed, your alumnus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I graced the hallways as well, but uh, I don't think he was there at the same time I was. But no, you, they, they you were like still Rolex. Did you? No, <laughs> no, they were still nasty in golf though when I was there for sure. Yeah. I'm pretty sure they still are, but. So when I came back home, though, basically, he was just like, hey, you know, I started working a little bit because my baseball career, I hung up the cleats. And he was just like, hey, man, if you want to come out here and caddy, like you can make really, really good money. You know, it's all cash under the table. And of course, Sage is a beautiful place. And, 
you know, it's one of those things where like not everybody that caddies is a great golfer, of course. Not everybody that caddies even really knows the game of golf that well. Some people are just out there to get the money, but it's a huge plus and a bonus, right? If, if, if you know the game for sure. So I figured it was something like, Hey, I could be pretty good at it. And I went out there and, and tried it and did it. And, you know, was able to meet a ton of great people, you know, and like, I, like I said, I had perspective in the sense I was like, dude, I get to go to the golf course. Um, so I did that on and off part-time from dude. I mean, literally like 2012, maybe 2011, all the way to like 2018. I mean, I was doing it on and off. And there were a couple of years in there where I actually did it full-time, believe it or not. And uh, the thing that I love and hate about golf, and I'm sure you probably feel the same way, there are no days off in golf. The sun comes up, you're working. You know, you're at the golf course. Like, I've talked to, like, you know, pros about it, and again, caddies and just other people. It's like, you know, it's a grind. I mean, when, when, when the sun's up, we're playing. So, yeah. um, but it was a hell of an experience, man. I mean, I met so many cool people, and I caddied Masters Week you know, like I was telling you a, a ton of years. I mean, again, the only two years that I really didn't, and I'm not this year, obviously, which I'm very thankful for because I get to actually watch the golf on TV. But 2016, I had moved to Charlotte and started in the corporate world and stuff like that. Decided, you know what? And I had the opportunity to go home and get the money because, I mean, you make great money during Masters Week. I was like, you know what? I'm going to just enjoy the golf, sit back, whatever. And then last year, I mean, when the pandemic hit, you know, because I was finally living in Columbia and doing, you know, the Spurs up show stuff full-time, whatever. Yeah. So caddied a ton of masters week, but I mean, dude, I got to meet so many good people from all over the world was in a group with, uh, with Aaron Boone, who's the general manager of the Yankees. I was in a group with Colin Montgomery, uh, was, you know, I mean, I, I met guys from Germany and Australia and I'm the sure. Australians, the Australians are nuts, by the way, like they're fun. Absolutely. They're so much fun. Yeah. Uh, guys from Texas, they're incredible. Those dudes yeah. are, you know, because everybody's coming out there to have a great time. Everybody's in town for the week. They're, you know, drinks are flowing. You know, everybody's, you know, you've got your your morning groups who are getting out there before they head to Augusta. You got your afternoon groups who go to Augusta in the morning and then play in the afternoon. It's just, I mean, it's a blast. It, it's crazy. But, you know, I, I will tell you one year I did this and I, I swore I'd never do it again. I, uh, I did 36 holes five days in a row. And oh my God. when I tell you my, I mean, my feet were just, were just killing me, but uh, no, the life of a caddy, man, it's interesting. It's, I mean, I got to caddy for Will Muschamp. I'm sure you probably remember seeing that. And yeah, um, yeah, it's, it's, uh, I, I mean, I got to meet, you know, more, I got, I met people from golf illustrated. So, and, so I know. have a question about the Will Muschamp yeah. thing and I'm glad you brought it up. Is that before, was that before or after you went on Instagram. Pre-fire must chance. Free, Pre-fire. Pre-fire yeah. must that, was, that was May of 2019. That was before I'd even moved to Columbia, and that was that was pre-UNC game. Put it that gotcha. way. So gotcha. I was still a pro must champ guy. Pro, I, was still, yeah. I was still, you know, as pro must champ as you could be at that point. So Yeah. And, yeah. For, and for those people that don't know what I'm talking about, when I say, is that pre- or post-fire must champ, uh, Chris was at a game the game the life of a gamecock fan right if you don't know <laughs> it's a roller coaster i've been a, a gamecock fan my entire life both my parents went there and uh i'm sorry if you can hear a baby screaming in the background i have eight month hey, dad twins. life dad life dad life so both my parents are gamecock uh alumnus and uh we've been saying wait till next year for me for 32 years for my mom I won't say the exact number, but her entire life, right? Yeah. It's always a wait till next year thing. Mm. Every time we think we got a good coach, we, we thought we had it with Lou Holtz and then he left and we thought we had it with Spurrier and then we had it for a little bit and then he left in kind of a dumpster fire and then Will Muschamp comes in and then yeah. anyways, 
you got it going. And then we, we lose to the Citadel. Yeah. Lose the Citadel. And then that, that year, the UNC thing, you know, not, not to talk everybody's ear off that's tuning in. Cause again, a lot of people probably aren't Gamecock fans, but yeah, lose a game you should win to a freshman quarterback with a first year head coach against a team that I think won like two or three games the year before. So yeah. you just say think things were not very, uh, you know, not very positive in Gamecock land. And when you call for the head coach's head, it, things get kind of interesting on the business side of things. But back to the golf thing, though, man, I just want to say, like, Sage Valley was an awesome experience. There's a yeah. ton of guys out there I still know, and I still know the pro out there. And, and again, I, I it was – I think, honestly, one of the reasons I'm able to do what I do now with – you know, because I really believe everything happens for a reason. I think one of the reasons I'm able to interview the people I'm able to interview and how we're able to sit here and I'm able to talk to you – is from meeting those people. I mean, dude, I've met CEOs, pro athletes, you know, people of, of you know, high status where it's like, I got so comfortable just talking to people, just yeah. having conversation, just bullshitting with them. Yep. It just like, it just kind of became second nature. It's like, I don't, I don't get like the, the starstruck feeling, you know what I mean? Yeah. I mean there, there's so many, there's so many famous people that were out there that, I mean, I was, I was standing next to Bryson DeChambeau. He was, he was literally, it was the week before the masters. He was out there practicing. It's just like no big deal. DeChambeau yeah. is just out there. I mean, I, I was also able to caddy in the junior invitational, which is like the biggest junior tournament in the world. Um, the top, I think it's the top 54 or top 60 juniors in the entire world. I caddied for a kid the last couple, the last couple of times I did it. His name is William Mao. He plays for Pepperdine now, and they are yeah. nasty. They are yeah, really, they are. really good. I think they just finished third at the uh, the tournament down there at Augusta at, uh, at Forest Hills. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I mean, I've definitely got an extensive background in golf, man. And, you know, while I was doing that, too, there was a there was about a eight-month stretch. I worked at Augusta Country Club, which, if you're familiar with the Augusta National and kind of golf around that area, you'll know that the Augusta Country Club actually borders Augusta National. Yeah, so, fun, it, I'm yep. sure you knew this, but I was going to say fun story is that Augusta Augusta Country Club was there first. So when the National built 12 and 13 tee box, they bought that land from Augusta Country Club. Really? Yes. Yes. So they they bought that land to build those holes. And then when Augusta just did their, I guess, what, refurbishment of 13 tee box or whatever the heck they did or whatever. Just extended it, to be honest. Yeah. Yeah. They tore out number nine. That So that was number nine right here for Augusta Country Club. And then you had the 13 tee. So they tore that out. Augusta National paid to have it all rebuilt plus gave them like 20 million dollars i mean you know from the national money's not anything so now augusta country club that's one hell of a track too if you if you never played there hopefully you can meet a member or something get up i mean i got to play it and it was uh it was great but uh yeah i mean dude growing up in the area it's 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 awesome i mean there's no week like masters week i joke with people that uh you know and if you're tuning in and you're in augusta right now you know i I tell people that augusta is the coolest city in the world for a week out of the year and the rest of the time it's uh you know, Sucks. it's kind of a shithole to be honest, yeah. but no, it, yep. it's, it's a great week, man. It's so awesome. And, you know, I've got to go to the masters. Obviously I, I, I still have fond memories of going to like practice rounds with my dad. And I got to go on Sunday in 90, 99, watch Jose Maria Olathebel win. I went, uh, 2008 Sunday and watched Trevor, Trevor Immelman win. My dad was there in 2005 when Tiger chipped in on 16, my, you know, me, I, probably one of my favorite master's memories me and my dad watching together in 2004 when phil won and we were huge phil guys and That's my dad awesome. was like literally shedding a tear because he was so happy phil finally broke through so yeah it's awesome man it, it's really cool especially for the people in that local area it's it's a really cool week and it means a lot but it's yeah. like golf is kind of part of the fiber of that area it's it's, yeah. it's neat. yeah yeah it is for sure it is for sure i it's a part of the fiber of like the whole state of south carolina really and georgia yeah. right like yeah because augusta if you aren't familiar with like 
South Carolina and Georgia geography, Augusta is on the border. Like, like yeah. to get to the literally South the Carolina, Savannah River separates Augusta and you know North Augusta or Georgia yeah. and South Carolina. Yeah. There's like there's like maybe five miles from Augusta right. National to the South Carolina side yeah. of, the, of the state border. Yeah. Um, and I've tried for 26 years to get tickets. I'm 0 for 26. Maybe next you year. You with my- the connections. Come on, you can't have a golf podcast and not have connections. Oh no, no, maybe next this year. year I got, I got, I, I, I was gonna say this year I could see it could be very tough. It's very, nah, I got, so. I got something we're working on for next year. So next year, go. I feel positive. About get your, that. get your PXG buddies to, <laughs> to throw calling you some it, tickets. calling in a favor to Gary player. Um, yes, but yes. Let's, let's keep it moving. I wanted to talk about the Augusta national women's amateur mm. specifically because of the lady game Cox that showed up and play. And I'm going to butcher their names because it's <laughs> a French girl and a girl from Spain. Who yeah. and I, and I had no idea that the Lady Gamecocks, the women's golf team, was so highly ranked, right? And you said it off air, number one in the country, yeah, number one in the country, yeah. So yeah. that was huge and doing work. Um, I'm I'm gonna try this in a French accent, uh, Bouchard or Boucher, perhaps. Yeah, I, think I I think it's Bouchard. I was gonna say I'm gonna butcher the names too, so I, yeah. I don't know. Like I'll let you go first, but I mean, yeah, I'll, I'll go first. It's my podcast, and I'm sorry, Pauline, <laughs> if if I butcher your name, but Pauline Bouchard finished tied for third, and then mm. Anna Pelez Pele. Yeah. I, I, I have a Spanish minor from Coastal Carolina University, so take that as as it's yeah. worth. Yeah. Uh, but Anna tied for 13th, I believe, if I'm, I'm looking at this right. Yeah, I was going to say yeah. Bouchard, too, is a sophomore. 12th. And she was still I, we were talking, 12th. yeah, she was still at 12th. Bouchard's a sophomore, though, when we were talking off air. She set a record with seven birdies in the final round. So she had seven birdies, had five bogeys. So she finished with a two under 70 That's for the crazy. round. So and you know, I love that, man. At Augusta, you got to be aggressive. I like that. I like it, that. It's crazy to think that, like, all these girls are between the ages of Paris Holinsky, Ryan, Ryan Holinsky, former Gamecock uh, quarterback's cousin was out there playing. I've had her on the podcast. She's 16, right? And she missed the cut, didn't play the weekend, but she still shot in the seventies at champions retreat, which is right there in Augusta as well, uh, or North Augusta. And then these girls on the weekend were shooting like 73, 72 at Augusta national from the members tees like that's no joke yeah i was impressed no, that's, by that's, the whole, whole crowd yeah that's that i mean that's really playing man and like, like you said we mentioned i mean what the gamecocks women's program has done and really as a whole man women's sports at south carolina you know is really carrying the torch right now i feel like with Jeez. basketball and then and then golf and everything but uh no, yeah, it's really cool to think about, man. I think it's so awesome that they, you know, Augusta National made that decision to have this event, give these young women the opportunity to to display their skills. Because, again, I, I mean, I, you know, it's funny, again, working at Sage Valley and caddying out there, you know, I, I've had – I think there was actually one time I caddied in a group, like a college golf team, female college golf team. Like, those girls can play, dude. Yeah. It's not like a joke. They can really, really play. I mean, obviously, you know, they can't hit it as far or whatever, but, like, they can play. So – um, to see them do what they did and represent South Carolina the way they did. And again, I, I can only imagine, you know, it's it's people's dreams to play out at Augusta National and just hear them talk about, you know, three, five, 12, 15, 16, you know, just just recapping everything. Like I said, that's something they'll definitely remember forever. But uh, no, it, it's awesome to see, man, for sure. I, like I said, I'm really glad that National's putting on the event. I, I'd have to imagine it's been a huge success for them. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know what their metrics are for success, but if you want to talk about like, 
every man, every guy in my neighborhood, everybody that I talk to, everybody that's in my circle, we don't watch LPGA tour golf. Yeah. We don't watch women's golf. Sorry for the ladies out there. Yeah. I just, I, I don't watch that. Uh, yeah. But we, I tuned in and I watched the Augusta yeah. national women's amateur. I, I, it was so intriguing to see because, you know, they're hitting from spots and, the, the reason why I enjoyed watching this tournament and I will probably tune into more LPGA tour events is because they're hitting roughly the same clubs I would be. So instead right. of going out there and watching Bryson or Dustin or even Jordan Spieth, who's a relatively shorter hitter hit from like 30 yards back from the back tees. And then they have a nine iron in or an eight mm -hmm. iron in or whatever it is. Um, these girls didn't have that and they're going to be hitting mm -hmm. the same yardages roughly like 260 driver and they have a seven iron from 150 or something i don't know but it was cool to see it the way they approach the course and the spots they're ending up in that were a little different than the men yeah and you, you think to just specifically the national and how much different it play for them you know i think of you know i mean really every single hole but i, I think like two is going to play so much different three is going to play completely different i mean most of these pga tour guys are driving the green yeah or, or they're, they're chipping on the next shot i mean you know, four is already a monster. Five, five is such an underrated hole that dog leg left up the hill. That's such a tough golf hole. Um, you know, eight and nine, even that pair of par fours. And then, you know, you think of the back nine, Amen corner, the way it plays, 17, I mean, 18, the way it plays. So, no, it is interesting. You're right. It, it's cool. It's like almost a different game. And like you said, you can almost relate more to it because let's face it, most of us aren't hitting our driver 325, 330, 340, whatever. Like, Not me. You know, no, most of us are, and I mean, I'll be honest. Like, if I if I catch it, I can smoke it three hundred. Like, yeah, it's same. uh, mo most of us are like realistically averaging like two sixty, two seventy. So it's like it's cool to watch them and be like, it, you can you almost relate to it a little bit more in regards yeah. to the way they're playing the golf course and strategizing. So it, it is neat to watch it in that regard. Yeah, it definitely is. It definitely is. So I, I was excited to watch that, and we'll continue to watch that in the future, and, and look forward to see what the uh, what Augusta National has next, but main event. Let's move on to the <clears throat> Masters. What's your thoughts this year? I mean, we're back in spring. We're back yeah. in April. We had the November Masters, which was weird. Yeah, it was still cool. It was great to watch. Glad Dustin won because he's yeah. a relatively local dude. Um, coastal guy, coastal guy, coastal Gamecock guy, man. Yeah, uh, native of Columbia. Yeah. Have, bring, I'm glad you brought him up. Have you heard the story about how he chose Coastal? I haven't. I, I'd like, I feel like I've heard things, but I don't think I've heard the actual story. I don't, I don't know. I don't think so. I, I don't know if it's true. I don't know if the story is true, but I'm making a habit out of saying stories I hear at this point. Um, so the story was he was getting recruited by a few different schools. Carolina was one of them. Um, and then he went on a family vacation to Myrtle Beach. And in true Dustin fashion, they drove by Conway coming down seven or coming down 501 going into Myrtle Beach. And he, they drove by Coastal. He goes, man, I didn't know there was a school here. And they drove in off the road and he walked into the, to the head coach's office and he goes, I want to play golf in Myrtle Beach. I want to go. I want to come to school down here and go to school at the beach. And then he did. <laughs> now i definitely haven't heard that story that's i since we're on the topic though of, of dj stories before we get master stuff I, love it really quick my, my uh 
my best friend, he goes to Harbor Town every year, which that you know, you talk about the states of Georgia and South Carolina and, and then being the golf meccas. The reason is because there's so many great courses, and Harbor oh, Town yeah. is definitely one of them. That's an awesome event. I know the players love it, kind of like that that decompressor, that stress-free week after a crazy stress week in Augusta. But uh, somebody goes every year. They've got, like, a hookup with some Coca-Cola guy. Like, they, they get, like, these VIP tickets or whatever. He met Dustin Johnson a couple of years ago. And I guess he was just kind of like the bystander or whatever while DJ was talking to these people. And DJ's saying, like, basically recollecting how he used to just go out and get shit-faced on the boat yeah. and then go play the next day in the round. He's like, yeah, I can't really do that anymore, like – but DJ used to be an animal. I mean, there's just no other way to put it. He used to be well, an animal. He has the court, and this is another story, DJ's story. It may or may not be true. <laughs> um, he has a course record up here. I live in Wilmington, North Carolina, right? Right. They played a college tournament out there, and he has the course record. He shot a 61 on a Pete Dye course, par 72, like mm. sick. And his seven irons hanging up in the clubhouse. <laughs> and the story goes is he went out for his practice round, played pretty well, and then disappeared. It, nobody could find him right he rolls in the next day in a cab in the same clothes covered in glitter and hammered five minutes for his tea time and goes out and shoots course record like don't know if that's true but that's the story the members have told me oh man sounds pretty on brand though sounds pretty on brand sounds definitely on brand for dj so Sure. reigning champ how do you think dj is gonna is gonna fare this year is he gonna be able to retain the jacket or uh we're gonna see someone else wearing it i think you know if i had to bet i would say somebody else will be wearing it but i, I you know back to just the whole the masters getting back to it's normal week it's great to see like you said it was weird last year with i mean thank god we even had a masters you know what i mean i, I remember sitting basically at, at this point or a few weeks prior last year and when they announced they were going to postpone the masters and just how you know, obviously devastated we all were at that point, you know what I mean? Because the Masters is the unofficial start of spring. Basically, this is when, like, okay, now sports are back. Everything is back now with yeah. Masters Week. And, you know, it's funny, like, I didn't, you know, when I used to really, really watch golf, like, religiously, it was like golf season doesn't really start till the Masters gets going. Like, that. that's when you really start getting into golf season. But, um, I mean, I'm definitely looking forward to it, man. It's just, you know, it goes without saying how great of an event it is. I obviously DJ the reigning champion and you know he's actually the favorite him and DeShambo the favorite right now at 10 to 1 odds I was looking at the odds before we came on and I think there's some really intriguing guys in regards to value and you can grab them at and I mean I'd, I'd expect DJ to play well it, it kind of feels like at this point you know he, there's a couple of guys on tour that I, I don't know and I don't follow golf as closely as you do anymore but like there's just some guys I'm like even if he doesn't win I expect him to probably finish like top 15 I and mean, yeah. I think he's just gonna play well you know what I mean and I I was happy to see DJ break through on that course too, but you know, how does Brooks Kepka respond from what he had the knee surgery, right? And he's obviously playing this week or said he was, I know he was practicing yesterday, but he had the surgeries come back from injury. How does he respond? Dude, Jordan Spieth is so intriguing to me. Brooks had knee surgery like two weeks ago. Yeah. I'm shocked he's playing, but I me mean, too. It's, the, it's the masters. It's me the too. Ma he could Kepka Kepka's going to win one before it's all said and done. Right? Oh, There's sure. no question for sure. Um, I'd love to see, man, and I know I think everybody would. I'd love to see, which it's wild. He's 11 to 1 odds. I know he just won, but Jordan Spieth, man, what a, what a, what redemption it'd be for him to find a way to get the jacket back on. I so, think Justin Thomas is going to win one eventually. Like, There's a bunch of good guys in the field. So Yeah, so I'm pulling up this text. I was texting my friend who's been – he's been on a heater 
as far as golf betting goes. Since like the Waste Management Open in whatever, mid-February, early February, he's one, he has like an 80% win rate right mm. now. So on February 16th, I sent him a text and I said, I want you to put $100 on Jordan, Jordan Spieth to win the Masters. February 16th, I said, I want you to put $100 on Jordan Spieth to win the Masters. He didn't do it. Now he's 11 to 1. At the time, he was 250 to 1. Mm. Wow. 250 to 1. And I was like, put $100 on Jordan Spieth to win the Masters. I'm not saying I'm predicting the future, but I am saying I, I, I called it in February, Jordan Spieth winning the Masters. That's my pick for the week. I think Jordan's going to win. He's one of the only few needle movers in the game of golf, right? right. Yeah. It's Tiger. <clears throat> Absolutely. It's Rory. And it's Jordan. Like, there's, there's three of them. Yeah. Everybody else, like, Brooks can win. It's cool. DJ can win. It's cool. Justin, I love Justin Thomas. He can yeah. win. It's cool. But it's not – it doesn't get people excited about golf. And for whatever reason, Jordan has that – aura about him so i'm calling yeah. jordan speed well and i think people love you know as americans we love to see a rise to glory but you know what else we love to see we love to see someone plummet we love yeah. pe- admit it or not people love to see you know someone crumble and come back down it, it happened with tiger but they also love a good comeback story so yeah. it's like it's crazy how that works I, but again I'm, I'm just looking at these betting lines dude like i look at guys like you talk about just value tony finau 35 to 1 Hideki Matsuyama, 40 to 1. Hey, Bubba Watson, 85 to 1. Why not? Yeah. Um, maybe, uh, you know, who I, a guy that I, I look at and someone that, again, I, I met through the junior invitational, Scotty Scheffler, 40 to 1. That's a good oh, player. Yeah. He's a really been playing good well, player. too. He's been playing He's really been well. He's been playing well. So, and I remember watching him at Sage Valley. He just tore that golf course up. So, you know, it's, 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 it's all about, man. I mean, my dad always talk about it every single year, bro. I mean, listen, these guys can all strike the golf ball beautifully. They can all hit their driver. They can all hit their irons. Who makes the most putts? That's just yeah. what it comes down to, bro. Who makes the most putts under pressure? That That's bottom line. That's what it comes down to. The guy that putts the best is most likely going to win. So, um, you know, like you said, speaking of speed, I mean, when he's on, it, there's not many that are better putters in the game than, than Jordan Speed is. No. And it's why Tiger won so much in the late 90s and early 2000s, right? He was lasered in. He did not miss. A gimme for him was like 10 feet, right? Like didn't miss under 10 feet. And Jordan was the same way for a while. And if he can get that confidence about him, I've always been told that Geller, his caddy, is is basically just trying to keep him calm the entire round of golf. (laughs) And and he's basically a therapist for 18 holes, like, He's not managing Jordan's game. He's not telling him what to hit. He's just a therapist. Yeah. And if he can keep his head on his shoulders and stay calm and stay confident about what he needs to do, Jordan Spieth is like hard to beat. Yeah. To Spieth and to everybody else, all I ask, if you're in the lead and on Sunday, I don't know why guys try to do this. Again, me and my dad talk about this every year. Why anyone would hit a cut in the 12th? Just hit a draw and be long, long back left and make your three or four and get out of there. Yeah. Cause these guys try to get cute and they hit this cut and that hole is literally going this way away from you. Yeah. So the farther right you go, the farther you have to hit it. I don't know why. I don't know. I mean, I'm not smarter than a PGA tour pro, but I'm just like, bro, might be. Just, just go long left, 
if you go long, it's fine. Just get your three or four and get out of there. Because if you don't, you might be like Jordan and get a 12. I mean, yeah. you know what I'm saying? So, I don't know. I, I'm sure if he's in the lead on Sunday, that's going to be one. It's like, okay, we got to get this whole – this whole – we got to figure this one out. This is the one right here. Yeah. All the pressure's on this hole. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, if, if there's one guarantee, man, for this week is the dramatics on Sunday, and I, I, I just can't wait to watch it. There's just nothing like the back nine on Sunday at the Masters. Nothing. Yeah, and the fact that there'll be, there'll be fans there this year. There'll be, there'll be some yeah. patrons. Thank so, God. Thank God. That'd be huge. That'd be huge, and I'm excited to see it. So, I mean, feet to the fire, who's your pick to win the 2021 Masters? I think I'm going to go JT. I, I think Ooh, get his first yeah, major. I think, or, yeah, I'm, yeah. Is that his first major? I think it is. I think it would be, yeah. But yeah. He, he's he's so due, man. I think Justin Thomas is just way too good of a player to, you know, at some point he's going to break through and get it. And, you know, I, I know Spieth just won. And I'm a Spieth guy, too. Like, I really yeah. do like Spieth. I'd love to see Spieth win. And, you know, I don't really think there are many guys on tour that I, like, dislike. I know everybody hates Patrick Reed, which, whatever. I, I don't really care. I think he's fun to watch. Um, you didn't you know, it's cross paths while you were there at Augusta? No, 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 not at all. Not at all. I, I'll tell you, man, you know who I used to hate growing up was Tiger. I hated really? Tiger. Me and my dad, we hated t- It's because, well, like, he was, guys. like, the villain. He, all, he We were Phil, exactly. We were yeah. Phil guys. But once Tiger went away and all that stuff happened, I slowly started to realize, like, dude, golf is just not the same without him. Like, we need him. Golf needs Tiger Woods. And it's a shame he can't play in this event, obviously, and – and prayers up to Tiger dealing with the injuries and stuff like that. But I don't know, man. I like Thomas. I, I do. I know he's one of the favorites and whatever. I think John Rahm, too, could, could really make a push if he can just keep yeah. his emotions together. Yeah. that's Dude, I remember watching him play at Southern Cal, by the way, and mm-hmm. I was like, how is this dude going to make it on the PGA Tour? Like, this is the – he has that traditional Spaniard, like, hothead. He's just like Sergio. With the, He's just like Sergio in that regard. But, yeah, I don't know. I like Thomas. I, I do. I like Thomas's game a lot, and I think it plays well to that course. And – Again, it's just all about getting hot with the putter, man. Whoever gets hot with that putter and can, like you said, make the most pressure-packed putts will be the guy that takes on the jacket. So, yeah. So I asked, um, I asked my Instagram people, my community on Instagram, who they think is going to win. Mm. Let's let's see, let's see what let's see what kind of comments I get on this one. And John Rom, first one I see, John Rom, Justin Thomas, DJ. Dude, there's a lot of rom comments. If I had to, if I had to pick a guy, let's let's be a little more fun. If I had to pick a guy that was just like totally under the radar, nobody's talking about going in this week, bro. Why is Gary Woodland one sixty to one? That's a great question. Well, he won I mean, the U.S. Open like three years ago. That's what I'm saying. I mean, I'm just saying if you have to throw one out there that's just like, you know, nobody's talking about. I mean, I think Gary Woodland would be a good pick. Yeah. Maybe Ooh, this- maybe Phil maybe Phil becomes the oldest to ever win it. Does he ha- does he have one more run left? <laughs> not on the PGA Tour. Does, Champion does Tour. Skinny, does Skinny Phil have a run left in him? Not on, not on the PGA Tour. Sorry, I like Phil, but not on the PGA. No, Tour. I know. I agree with you. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, dude. Rom Rom's a big one on these comments. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he's one of those players. I think, like you said, man, it's kind of like he's one of those needle movers. You know. Yeah. I think he's just – he has the personality. Like, people like people with a personality that they can kind of relate to. And, you know, that's why, I like, a guy like Reed is so love or hate because he's – you know, you're gravitated towards him and you feel some type of way about it. He's not a boring player, which I think golf needs more of. But yep. um, now, Rom's a good player, man. I, I could definitely see it happen. Again, it's just all about getting hot with the putter and 
keeping your emotions in check. Like it's hard to believe Sergio won one, but you know, yeah, right. <laughs> See him melt down. I know a lot of people hate Sergio too. So I mean, it is what yeah. it is. Well, golf needs that villain. You know, golf right. needs that storyline it because it's yeah. it's it's an individual sport, right? You don't have the the team to pull for. You don't have the the storylines you do about you don't like this coach, you don't whatever. Right? You don't have the right. rivalries that you do like South Carolina Clemson. We have a huge rivalry in football, and it translates into every yeah. other sport. Auburn, <clears throat> Auburn, and Alabama. Like everybody has those rivalries. Ohio State, Michigan. We don't have those in golf because players come and go. Right. right. And for so long, it was Tiger and Phil or it was yeah. it was Greg Norman and like Seve or whoever. Yeah. Right. Um, we we don't have that right now yeah. unless it's everybody versus Patrick Reed. <laughs> like, sorry. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. No, you make a good point. Everybody versus Patrick Reed for sure. But I, we, I, it's but like golf it, needs that storyline. Golf needs that villain. They need yeah, it, go, for, pe- for people to get those excited about it. It needs the personality. Yeah, because, I mean, it's – I don't know. You, you look at, like, a guy like Spieth and Thomas and even DJ, they kind of feel just like the regular country club kids. Like, it's not really like – they're just kind of whatever. I'm just out here to play golf and whatever. I, that's why I will say I appreciated Brooks so much when he was just winning every major when he came out and was just like, yeah, I don't even play the normal events. I just – he's like, I don't think winning a major is that hard. Like, I loved it, but I also yep. was like, Brooks, shut up, dude. The golf gods are going to nip you so fast. I mean, you know, man, the golf gods are real. Like – no, There's two yeah. types of people in the game. Those who are humbled and those who are about to be. I'm like, Brooks, shut up. Oh, yeah. But you loved it at the same time. But it's like golf is just – it's almost like it's its too hard of a game to be cocky. That's why yeah. it's so crazy what Tiger did. Because it's just too hard to be that cocky. Yeah. You know, because it'll get you. So Yeah, it's crazy. It's crazy, man. But so you got – Yeah, I got Thomas. I got, got Thomas. JT. I got JT. I got Jordan Spieth. It's gonna be an awesome dude. Week. Those two, those two guys could be paired together in Sunday. I mean, honestly, that that I think that would be awesome. But I, I think we could definitely see that. Those two guys are damn good players. So, yeah, I'd love. To, I mean, it's gonna be such a great week. I'm I'm so excited. Yeah. This is one of my. Yeah. It's it's the only time I'm excited for a Monday. Right? Like, <laughs> yeah. I'm excited. Like, there's something to talk about on a Monday that's not just fabricated or like yeah. politics or something. Um, yeah. For There's sure. sports to talk about on a Monday, which is great. There's gonna be fans there. Um, only thing that would make it better if I could get some tickets and go, but maybe next year. It, it'll it'll happen when it's meant to happen, my guy. When you go, it, I mean, dude, it's. I'm gonna I open mean, it's, up. A, it's, I'm gonna open up a brand new credit card and just go <laughs> ham bone in in the uh, the. Merch. Yeah, dude, I, I could tell you stories of people I know in that area that rent out their house, and my 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 best friend's dad, he gets tickets every year, and I mean, he's. Bro, he's he sold them for like four thousand a piece. I mean, wow. I mean, it's you know, but I don't. I, don't I mean, it's it. it's yeah. I mean, it's it's one hell of a week, man, and it's a one hell of an experience. And I mean, it's the, it's, it's the most gorgeous place you'll ever see. I mean, bottom line. I mean, I've, and I, I've seen some other pretty awesome courses. I've been up to Shinnecock and that that part of the country and everything. And you know, I haven't seen a ton of courses, but yeah, the, the national is just one of those that you just have to. My my one funniest story, by the way, about Augusta National. I've actually hit a golf ball onto Augusta National. And I say onto, not at, because when I was working at Augusta Country Club, we were in nine fairway and it was the fall, right? So all the leaves had fallen. You could clearly see 13 fairway. I mean, just yeah. clear as day. And I was like, I'm going to take my three wood and just blast one into Augusta National. And sure enough, piped it and I saw it land in the fairway. And I was like, I can officially say I've hit a golf ball onto, uh, onto Augusta National. And, and I've hit a ball into Ray's Creek because eight, the par five down the hill, 
race Creek runs in front of the green and it circles around and runs into 12. So, you know, I was like, Hey, this is, it's not quite, you know, but I, it's still a cool story. It's close. So. It's probably closer <laughs> than uh 99.99% of people yeah. are going to get. So exactly. You're exactly. a small percentage of people. So exactly. But anyways, Hey dude, thank you for coming on. Thank you for uh, sharing some of your stories. And if you don't listen to the Spurs up show, probably should. You probably should. So Chris, where can people find you, follow you, listen, where can they uh, hear, hear what you got going on? Yeah. So anywhere you listen to podcasts, you can find the Spurs up show. I mean, iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Google play, uh, whatever other platforms, like I said, it's everywhere. And then of course we're on social media, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, we're on TikTok. We're on a little bit of everything, but at the Spurs Up Show. And then I, I'm on there personally at C Philly 19, but at the Spurs Up Show is where you can find all that. So basically anywhere and everywhere. And we're also the SpursUpshow.com. We've got a website as well. So um, nice. many places to find us. And like I said, I appreciate you, Blair, having me on and not just talking Gamecocks, but talking golf as well, because I don't really get the opportunity to talk golf with people. And it's, uh, it's fun because I definitely love, love it. I definitely love it. Like I said, just being from the area and growing up playing and stuff like that. And it's uh, it's been fun to follow your content, and that you're you're probably the most golf, the most golf stuff I get on my feed comes from you. So I appreciate that. Yeah, man, you're welcome. I'll keep it coming <laughs> for sure. I'll keep it coming. All right, dude. Well, thank you for the time. Absolutely.